1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: From the Cut and Gimlet Media, this is The Cut on Tuesdays. I'm your host, Molly Fisher. Internet is full of people who are asking, in one way or another, is this normal? They're wondering about the error message on their iPhone, or the tingling they noticed after trying that face mask, or the faint bluish-green sheen on their bacon. Sometimes there's a straightforward, factual answer. The bacon thing is normal, I've checked. But sometimes the question isn't about food or beauty products. It's about love. And for those questions, there's the relationship subreddit. <laughs> Is yelling normal? Asks one recent post. Boyfriend is highly critical. Is this normal? Asks another. My girlfriend's insecurities aren't normal, are they? Asks a 30-year-old guy, leading the reader just a little. Is my boyfriend a bit of an asshole? Or is this just how relationships go? Wonders a 25-year-old woman. The board's got something of a cult following, and periodically one of the posts will go viral, usually one of the wackier ones, like a guy whose vengeful ex won't stop sending him Game of Thrones spoilers. But underneath the surface-level internet wackiness, there's a hunger for knowledge that most people can recognize. Is this just how relationships go? Because it can be lonely when you're stuck inside the walls of what's happening, when you're the only one in this particular relationship with this particular person, trying to make sense of what's going on. It's the feeling that's captured in all those Reddit posts. And it's also the feeling captured in Carmen Maria Machado's new book, In the Dream House. Carmen's a writer who's known for unsettling stories that deal with sex and gender. You could call some of them horror stories. And the new book tells a story from her own life, one she's been grappling with for years. When Carmen came by the studio to talk, her book was just about to come out. I had a finished copy on my desk, and it was the first one Carmen had seen.
0: Oh, it looks really nice. It does. Congratulations. Oh, God. <laughs> I haven't... <laughs> I also never had a hardcover before.
2: Big momentous occasion. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is really nice. Oh, wow.
2: The story inside that book begins when Carmen was an MFA student at the University of Iowa. That's when a friend introduced her to a woman who would change her
0: life. I mean, she was beautiful. Really sexy, um, and she felt really worldly, even though we were roughly the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, but she spoke French, and she had lived abroad, and like she had went to Harvard, and like she was just gorgeous, and like she was funny, and like and smart, and like I was just completely taken with her. Near the beginning of
2: the book, Carmen describes the feeling of meeting that woman for the first time. She writes. She touches your arm and looks directly at you, and you feel like a child buying something with her own money for the first time. Carmen was into her. And to her shock, the dream woman seemed to be into
0: her, too. She really liked me, and liked me in a way that was obvious to me, which is not, it's not a thing that happens very often with me. So I noticed it, and I was really sort of caught off guard by it. I had always sort of been, not necessarily the pursuer, but I feel like I was always sort of like like an active party. Yeah. And with her it felt like the opposite. She was just very like attentive and like did that stuff that people do, which is where like they touch you a little bit, but like just a little, you know, yeah. not in a weird way and it was like this thing I'd always wanted, which was like somebody loved me and like was sort of chasing me. And it was It's was, fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's like a thing that if you haven't had it before or you don't have it as sort of a matter of course, it's the as it turns out like the most intoxicating drug. Have you heard about <laughs>
2: Love. Carmen <laughs>
0: <Right? laughs> knew she was attracted to women. It was something she'd known for a long time, even before she'd really had the language to express it. I mean, I grew up, you know, in the 90s in suburban Pennsylvania. And I did not, like, I was queer, but I didn't realize it because I, I thought that it was normal for you to think about kissing your female friends. Uh-huh. You know, like, I was like, oh, that's just a thing that happens. But, like, I didn't have the context of, like, that means that you're not straight. Even when she was out, she was kind of shy
2: around women. For a while, she defaulted to dating men. Some of them were perfectly nice. Some of them were less nice. But almost always, those relationships felt like something short of a grand romance.
0: I had dated many, like, tech guys in San Francisco. And I feel like there was always this dynamic that I had where, like, things were being explained to me Mm -hmm. about what guys did with their (laughs) jobs. But I feel like I sort of knew how to navigate that. Like... If you let a guy explain things to you and he and also, oh, God, if you let him explain things to you and then fuck you, you'll (laughs) have a boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. Like, if you let him (laughs) explain things to you, you know, you let him fuck you. Like, then that's kind of it. Right. And I mean, that's very reductive and kind of fucked up. But I can't believe I just said that out loud. And obviously, that does not apply to a lot of people. But definitely, I felt like I had a handle on a certain kind of. Relationship.
2: That's like the Soylent version of a heterosexual relationship. Like you can make it work.
0: Totally. It sort of like gives the
2: necessary caloric content to To constitute a relationship. When the dream woman walked into her life, she never had a real girlfriend. And as Carmen got to know her, she began to see the contours of something better than a meal substitute relationship. Something more like Thanksgiving. It was there in all its bounty, offered up just for her.
0: She couldn't believe her luck. And then at some point, we, like, hung out one night and watched Brave Little Toaster. Sexy. Very sexy. And, you know, we just sort of inched together. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, that was that. Carmen had found her first real girlfriend, someone who was beautiful and
2: wanted her, someone who was worldly and experienced and knew what she was doing. I mean, I was like, oh, my
0: God, this is what I've been waiting for.
2: They declared their love for each other, decided to be exclusive, decided to make things work long distance while they both attended grad programs in different states. They took long road trips together and met each other's parents. They were building a life together. But while they were doing that, there would be moments where Carmen found herself wondering what was going on. Like one night, while her girlfriend was away, and Carmen was hanging out at home watching the movie Flatliners with her two roommates.
0: I watched the first like 10 minutes, and then I was so exhausted that I passed out. And when I woke up, I realized that my phone was not with me. And when I went to go get it, it was charging, like, in another room. She had called me, like, all these times, and I hadn't responded. And when I called her back, her response was, well, who have you been fucking? Like, where have you been? She barely knew what to say. She'd been sleeping through a Kiefer Sutherland movie
2: at home, the third wheel on her roommate's cozy night in.
0: And I was like, I'm literally, I've literally been sitting here with John and Laura. Like, I'm, we were just watching Flatliners. And then she was like, no, like, I know you were fucking somebody else. Like, you got to, you know, tell me. You know, she was just, and I was like, they're right here. I will give you the phone. And I, I remember, like, John and Laura were, like, standing near me. And I was like, I'll give you the phone. Like, John will tell you. I was here the whole time. I was just asleep. And I I went to go hand him the phone. And I will never forget his face because his face just looked like, like, it was, like, full of, like, sadness. He sort of, like, shook his head a little. And I, and I sort of took it to mean, like, he's like, I'm not going to do that. This wasn't an isolated
2: incident. Carmen's girlfriend accused her of sleeping with dozens of people. Her friends, her girlfriend's friends, her exes, her teachers, her students, the director of her MFA program. Carmen learned not to talk about acquaintances who might set her girlfriend off. But there were other things, too. The way Carmen's girlfriend would call her a narcissist anytime she was proud of something she'd written. Or the time after a fight when she grabbed Carmen's arm hard enough to leave a bruise. And then there was all the shouting over the phone, loud enough for Carmen's roommates to hear.
0: She was trying to get me to, like, have phone sex with her. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, my roommates are, like, really close by. I feel weird. I don't want to do that. I feel weird. She got super mad at me and was like, you don't want to fuck me. Like, you don't think I'm hot. You know, you don't think I'm attractive. And she like, freaked out. And then she's like, I'm breaking up with you. And I was, like, super hysterical and, like, hung up the phone. And my roommate came in and he sat down next to me and was talking to me. and And I was, like, sobbing and was, like, trying to tell him what had happened. And and she started to try to call back, and she kept calling back, and I kept rejecting the call, and she kept calling back. And finally, he, like, very gently took the phone from me and, like, took the battery out of the <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then it was, like, it had no battery for a few hours, and he just sat there with me. And, and then eventually, I put the battery back in the phone. Inevitably. Inevitably. You always do. Inevitably, she
2: put the battery back in. And inevitably, she called her girlfriend back.
0: Then she was crying hysterically. And then she's like, what happened? Why did you break up with me? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, you just broke up with me. And I was like, what? Like, by the end of that conversation, I was like, maybe I did break up with her and I just don't remember.
2: Why do you think in that moment when you had your lovely friend, your roommate, like there with you being like, okay, this is not okay. This is not how it's supposed to be. You
0: still were like... I'm going to have to put that battery back in, you know? what? I mean, I think it was something probably akin to an addiction. I mean, I never—I I feel weird saying that because I know addiction is a kind of disease. But I, I feel like it was like it, it was hitting some note in my brain that I needed. And the idea of being without her was unthinkable. And then the other sort of problem I was having was because she was so experienced, as things got worse, We would have these, like, really bad fights. Like, she would scream at me. And I would be crying so hard I was, like, dehydrated. You know, that sort of level of... And then she'd be like, this is just what it's like to date a woman. Like, it's more emotional. It's more intense. Like, basically, like, get used to it. Carmen tried to get
2: used to it. And part of her believed that maybe this was just what dating a woman was like. She found herself thinking about all the times when her dad would talk about how women were more emotional, more sensitive... She'd always told him that was bullshit. But what if it turned out he was right? Because this relationship was more dramatic than anything she'd known with a man. More volatile. And more scary. One time, after a night out with friends ended with her girlfriend calling her a fucking cunt, Carmen decided to sleep alone on the couch. Her girlfriend wasn't having it. First, she yanked away the sheet Carmen had borrowed, then knelt beside her to scream directly in her ear. Carmen ran away. And her girlfriend followed her. She was screaming and throwing things after her. First her suitcase, then one shoe, then another. Before Carmen got to the bathroom and locked herself inside. But then, as suddenly as it began, it would pass. When Carmen finally emerged from the bathroom, crying, her girlfriend was sitting on the couch. What's wrong, she asked. Why do you look so upset? Carmen didn't know what to do. At one point in the book, she captures that uncertainty as a choose-your-own-adventure story. It goes like this. Breakfast. You scramble some eggs, make some toast. She eats mechanically and leaves the plate on the table. Clean that up, she says, as she goes to the bedroom to get dressed. If you do as you are told, go to page 169. If you tell her to do it herself, go to page 166. If you stare mutely at the dirty plate, and all you can think about is Clara Barton the feminist icon of your youth who had to teach herself how to be a nurse and endured abuse from men telling her what to do at every turn. And you remember being so angry and running to your parents and asking them if women still got told what was right or proper. And your mom said yes, and your dad said no. And you, for the first time, had an inkling of how complicated and terrible the world was. Go to page 171. No matter what pages you pick, the story leads you in circles, winding back to the same beginning. Another morning where the fighting starts when you've barely opened your eyes. It took a while before Carmen could choose a different adventure. But eventually, she found a way. That's coming up after the break.
1: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Embracing nature is more than just going for a walk now and then. It's reconnecting with the elements. It's harnessing the power of natural ingredients. It's putting the earth first. For over 50 years, Nature's Sunshine has been sharing the healing power of nature as they work towards a healthier planet. Their manufacturing facility is 100% powered by sunlight, and they divert 95% of waste away from landfills. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order.
2: Welcome back. This week, we're talking to Carmen Maria Machado. Her new book, In the Dream House, is the story of her first real relationship with a woman. It was exciting, but it wasn't easy. And as her girlfriend became increasingly controlling, Carmen struggled to understand what was going on. She got to a point where she couldn't imagine a way out. And then, suddenly, one appeared. She had cheated on me,
0: which is on the list of things she'd done was like by far the least bad. Like (laughs) it was a non-issue compared to like everything else. But then Carmen's girlfriend
2: told her she was in love with this other woman and that she couldn't be an attentive girlfriend while she was in love with someone else. Carmen was dumped. She was heartbroken. For the first time in a long time though, she realized she was free to choose a different adventure. She started leaving her phone at home as much as she could, training herself not to reflexively reach for her pocket. She started going to the gym with a friend and realized she could deadlift and run. Her ex did make one last attempt
0: to pull her back in. I was like at the gym and I got my phone out of my bag and I'd had like a bajillion missed calls. Like mm-hmm. there was just like all these missed calls and she'd left me all these really insane voicemails. And there was like, I love you. And then like, fuck you, you fucking cunt. And then like the next one would be like, I need you. Then her phone rang again. She ran to the parking lot, her
2: phone ringing and ringing and listened as it rang the whole way home. She knew what was waiting on the other end of the line at home. And she tried to figure out how to block the number. Her roommate blasted noise metal and banged on a pot with a wooden spoon, yelling, resist, Carmen,
0: resist. It's funny. I mean, it's funny in this very, like, fuckboy sort of way. And then it's weird thinking about that on the sort of the the tail end of, like, what was actually, like, a horrifying and, like, abusive relationship. And I don't... I don't... (laughs) Like, it feels weird because those parts of it were really funny. I, I had a friend once tell me this phrase that I love, which is this thing that happens. It's like when... Somebody, when you're breaking up with somebody, and they send you this like avalanche of like stuff, it's called the Dying Wizard, where it's like a wizard that's like blasting out <laughs> like like spells beams of light yeah, shooting like, in out every direction. Smoke, yeah, but it's like really chaotic. Uh-huh. And I, when he told me that, I laughed. <laughs> Until I always like peed myself. Like, I was like, that is the most accurate description <laughs> of that like final sort of burst. Of that sort of, I'm trying everything I've got in my uh-huh. arsenal right now. All the spells are being cast. All this, everything, all at once. <laughs> but I luckily dodged all of it.
2: For so long, she'd been trapped inside her girlfriend's world. Her girlfriend's version of how love worked and what was normal. She'd finally made it out. Now she was looking back over everything that had happened, alone with the story for the first time. And she was trying to understand it.
0: When I ultimately went looking for writing that articulated my experience, writing that talks about domestic abuse between same-sex partners, I found very little. And I was like, this seems incredible to me that this does not exist. Like, that seems sort of unthinkable. There are memoirs out there by survivors
2: of all kinds of trauma, but Carmen found surprisingly few about the trauma of women who were abused by other women. It wasn't a story the straight world was telling— And for a long time, it wasn't a story the queer world was telling much either. Still, she caught glimpses of that abuse in court cases
0: and legal records. And Carmen found one case in particular that fascinated her. These women in, like, it was like the early 90s, these women that were all in prison in Framingham, Massachusetts, for murdering their abusive spouses. And they joined this, like, therapy group inside of prison and then became known as the Framingham Eight.
2: These eight women had all been in abusive relationships that ended when they killed their partners. Now they were seeking pardons. And one of them, Deborah Reed, was a lesbian. Deborah had been convicted of manslaughter for killing her partner, Jackie. And while many of the Framingham eight were ultimately pardoned, Deborah was not. All throughout her case, it seemed like no one, her own lawyer, the court, the board of pardons, had any idea what to make of her
0: story. They were like, oh, it seems like you mutually battered each other, which is another sort of myth of same-sex violence, is that if it happens, it must happen equally in both directions. Yeah. that
2: if you're the same gender, you, you must, must be equally
0: precisely. doing the same thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: In the letters Deborah wrote to the Massachusetts Advisory Board of Pardons, Carmen found something like a secret memoir, Deborah's account of her own experiences. She wrote about first meeting Jackie at a bar called Charlie's. She was the nicest person I had met in Massachusetts since I got there, Deborah said. Deborah had never been with a woman before, and she felt like Jackie was teaching her how it worked, telling her how she should act and what she should wear, and, most importantly, that Jackie should be at the center of her life. She wrote, Jackie would grab me and embarrass me in front of other people, telling them to stay away from me because I was hers. She did this all the time. I remember once at Charlie's, I was at the jukebox and a man came up to put money in the jukebox. Jackie ran up to the man and said to him that I was already taken. She started cursing the man and threatened to hit him with a two-by-four. Jackie had also started to threaten Deborah, and to hit her and to choke her until she blacked out. The relationship lasted four years, until the night when Jackie threatened Deborah with a wine bottle and Deborah stabbed her.
0: I was just really, like, moved by her, and I think about her, I, mean, I think about her, like, every day. For some reason, Deborah really just stuck with me.
2: Why do you think that is?
0: Um, there was this quote that I found in, like, this essay about Deborah, which was when she was on trial for her girlfriend's murder, her, like, brother, I think it was, like, brought her a dress to wear because she didn't have a dress. And, and when he showed it to her, he's like, here, I brought you this dress to wear. Her first thought was, oh, she's going to kill me when she sees me in this dress. The when she's on trial for killing, she's like, Jackie will kill me if she sees me in this dress.
2: Carmen knew what it was like for someone to have gotten inside your head that way. It's been years, but she still has the habits she picked up with her ex. She always half expects someone to demand to know where she's been and accuse her of cheating if she doesn't say the right thing.
0: Yeah, like having that sense of like, oh my God, like I, like that that's still in me. Like, am I is that ever going to be out of me?
2: She knew there was at least one person out there who'd recognize what she'd been through. The woman her ex had been dating just before Carmen and when they first got together. So she got in touch. I reached
0: out to her and we started talking, and it was really helpful getting to talk to another person who had gone through this kind of situation with this exact person and could speak to, and like I think I spoke to a lot of her experiences in in the sense that like it's easier sometimes to, to give advice to another person than it is to uh-huh. get, get, take that advice yourself, right? So talking to her about her experience with with our ex, I felt like I suddenly was getting context for what had happened to me, and she felt the same way, but in the you know the other yeah. way around, and so it actually ended up. Um, yeah, working out really well. And by really well, Carmen means really, really well. So, spoiler alert, my my wife, my now wife, is my ex's ex.
2: The woman Carmen was commiserating and comparing notes with is now Carmen's wife. They've been together seven years and married a little more than two.
0: My wife is amazing. Her name is Val. She's the best thing in the world. I love her. And every time I do anything, I go to the National Book Award ceremony, I have like a really fancy interview, I go out of town for like a week and a half. Every time I'm like, if I were still dating her, this would be terrible. And when I think about Val and how much I love her and like how how supportive and kind. I'll look at her and I'll be like, Do you like, do you do you realize how bad this would be right now? Like how pissed she'd be. I was having something exciting happen to me. And Val's like, yeah, that would be terrible. Carmen's found someone she doesn't have to explain things to. Val
2: already understands.
0: And it's like a thing that, like, it's not like why we're together. But it's certainly like a, it's a weird perk.
2: But there's still the question of what readers will make of it all. In the Dreamhouse is Carmen's attempt to help build the archive she went looking for after she broke up with her ex. It's the kind of book that would have made her feel less alone. Deborah Reed's story is in there. Along with the other stories Carmen found buried in academic footnotes and news reports of old court cases. And, of course, there's Carmen's own story. What does it feel like to have this in front of you now? To be on the other <laughs> side of writing the book and to be thinking
0: about putting it out in the world? I mean, it's really scary. I would be lying if I said it wasn't scary. I People keep asking me how I feel about it. I'm like, not great. <laughs> The this book was really hard to write. I was really in a bad place working on it, and and it's like I want to take it out in the world because I think it's important, and I'm glad that I wrote it and I'm proud of it. But I also am very tired, and the tour hasn't even started yet. Oh, I'm
2: glad we caught you before you were um, exhausted. Yeah, no, thank no, no. you
0: so much. <laughs> I really, really, really do appreciate it. No problem.
2: <laughs> Carmen's memoir in the Dream House is out now. You can also read an excerpt at The Cut. We're taking a little time off for the holidays, so we will see you in a few Tuesdays. Play right, play right. The Cut on Tuesdays is produced by Sarah McVie and Kate Parkinson-Morgan. Our senior producer is Kimmy Regler. We're edited by Lynn Levy and Stella Bugby. Special thanks to Olivia Nat and Caroline Nitz. Mixing is by Emma Munger. Our music is by Emma Munger, Haley Shaw, and Peter Leonard. Our theme song is Play It Right by Sylvan Esso. The Cut on Tuesdays is a production of Gimlet Media and The Cut.
1: Celebrate Earth Month this April by harnessing the power of Mother Nature with Nature's Sunshine's new power line. From power greens with over 200 plant-based nutrients to support gut health and foundational nutrition, to power beats that can improve performance and blood flow.